story is about Howard Beale, who was the network news anchorman on UBS TV. In his time, Howard Beale had been a mandarin of television, the grand old man of news with a hut rating of 16 and a 28 audience share. In 1969, however, his fortunes began to decline. He fell to a 22 share. The following year, his wife died, and he was left a childless widower with an 8 rating and a 12 share. He became morose and isolated, began to drink heavily. And on September 22, 1975, he was fired, effective in two weeks. The news was broken to him by Max Schumacher, who was the president of the news division at UBS. The two old friends got properly pissed. Hello, all of you wonderful people out there. Welcome to another episode of Black and White Reviews. My name is Will. Hello, all you fantastic people. I'm Lee. I'm Chuck. <laughs> I, I just, I just, I just, I just love I'm your, not, your. I'm not doing it. <laughs> I, I just, I just love your ta- your your opening. It's the same thing. All of you wonderful people. I can't tell if you're being sarcastic or you just think that everybody's such, just such a wonderful person. I think that everybody's <laughs> wonderful. I'm not being sarcastic, I promise. You'll, you'll be able to tell when I'm being sarcastic. <laughs> All right. Sorry, Will. What are, you doing? what are we doing today, huh? Today we're going to be talking about the 1976 film Network, directed by mm. Snyder Lamet 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 Lamet. Lemmet? Starring, Lemmet. starring Peter Finch, <laughs> Faye Dunaway, William Holden, and Robert Duvall. What, what did you say the guy's name was? Peter Finch? The, direc- the director. Sidney Lumet. Sidney Lumet. Lumet? <laughs> He's French? I, would, I, know. I would guess. Sure. Lumet. Lumet? I mean, there's no. Sure, the, when I looked up his name, there was no like asterisk or anything. So I was like, okay, Lemon. Yeah, no, he was born in Philadelphia. <laughs> then he's not French. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, he could be, but. Anyways, this was an interesting movie. So then I'm going to yeah. start with you, man. How did you feel? Um. <clears throat> yeah, I. I yeah. It, yeah, it was. It, it's definitely out of, you know, our our typical wheelhouse of movies. Which is the reason um, why I chose it. Yeah, mm-hmm. I figured as much. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, what goes on behind the scenes of this film and, you know, within the movie and how they're producing everything and all of the, all of the junk that happens to create this show, you know, all the drama behind it all the backstories, I think for me, that is it actually displayed one of the reasons why I got so much into movies is I enjoy the backstory, why people do what they do, what caused them to do this. Um, this really showed that. I think it's hysterical that they ended the movie basically the way that he wanted to end it himself just a year later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I found and and as he's you know off air I came on saying I had five minutes left you can just go with him you guys were like nope just watch this just watch the last five minutes if you don't watch if you, if you miss the last five minutes of the movie you miss the entire point of the film so it was it's really ridiculous. important that you see the last five minutes so yeah oh I watched the last five minutes and 
um, on I, camera. I could hear you. Well, I could we, hear yeah. you guys we, a little bit, but I couldn't understand we, what you guys were saying. But it was—it seemed pretty. <laughs> we were hysterically laughing, going, "Oh my god, look at his face! He's at this part. He's at that part." And oh, there it goes. And <laughs> so it was just—it was really fun to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. I love. I'll get to the end of it after, but it was. Um, I I will say it was a little. The fact that it's what fifty years old now. Give or take, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's a drama from fifty years ago. Made it a little harder it's, it's a, yeah, it's to satire. watch than 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 normal. Um, but I I think that it, I, I give it some props in the fact of there it, it did break a lot of what was going on. I mean, in the seventies, uh, a vice president that's a woman taking over an, uh, a a national network syndicate was you know, unheard of then. So that was kind of breaking some barriers there. Um, you know, all of just the, the truth that was coming out or the quote unquote truth that was coming out and all of the stuff that was getting, that was going on behind the scenes to make all this happen, um, was actually pretty intriguing. Um, so it was, it was enjoyable. It was just, it was harder to watch than normal, but it was still an enjoyable film to watch. I did appreciate it for what it was. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Um, I I would add to that that I think this movie actually holds up even if it is 50 years later. I mean, the same thing that, well, boomers and traditionalists were saying about, like, the Gen Xers who were growing up with television or the same thing that we're saying about Gen Zers who were growing up with the Internet. It's almost You can right. almost apply the exact same concept, and I'll get into some examples when I get in later in the film, but that's that's one of the reasons why I think a film like this actually holds up no matter what time age you watch it in so i'm glad you enjoyed it lee well um so you you um you've told me about this movie actually for a very long time you said you gotta watch this movie you gotta watch this movie i'm like yeah yeah, yeah i'll get to it i'll get to it um and i just i never did so um yeah you you called this a slow burn that's I what you. I, I, that's what you I, said I would. This was. I would. I would call this a slow burn. This is not and after. After. Oh, okay, go ahead. Not what. Well, I mean, when you compare it to other things that we've done specifically on this channel, this is a slow burn compared to everything else that we've watched. I don't think you and I, or even the three of us, have ever done anything this slow moving. No. So I would say that it's it's given me a whole new understanding of what slow burn means so as i described earlier a slow burn for me is like you know it's been a long time but i enjoyed a nice cigar you know mm-hmm. but a cigar is not like a cigarette where it's it's gone in you know under five minutes right you know it's something that would take you sometimes upwards of an hour i don't have an hour in my life for a cigar so i enjoy it for as long as maybe three cigarettes and then i'm like man, I've got this cigar here that I guess I have to smoke. I really wish I could, like, save it and it wouldn't, like, ruin, you know, you know, it or whatever. So it's like I'd like to move on with my life now. Yes. You know, and then maybe I'll revisit this later. So this movie actually took me about four sittings to get through. Um, I was watching it kind of while I had, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes here, here, there, and whatever. But then I finally buckled down and finished it, and I paid attention you know to i watch for subtleties and things that might lead to something else later um but the way that movies were made back in the 70s i mean this was what 1970 1976 yeah 
you know, they they didn't really hide things as much. They pretty much laid it out there for you so you could pick it up pretty, pretty quick. So this movie was a movie I probably could have watched in passing, you know, mm-hmm. like while doing something else and still picked up on everything because, you know, we're just so used to nowadays with movies being able to um, or, you know, the potential of missing something because it's going quick. It's always trying to keep our attention. But attention spans have changed dramatically since 76. So. Yeah, this, this movie. Mo- <clears throat> go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, if this movie was made today, it would not be made like this at all. No. It'd be very different. And I'd almost compare it to something like God Bless America. Um, I mean, it, you've obviously seen that, Will. I, th- I, I don't we, know if Chuck's we, seen it. You that. and I have seen this together. So, yes, I know okay, exactly we did what watch you're it. talking okay. about. I do not see the comparisons to God Bless America at all. Well, you God know, Bless America was ba- more satire. This is satire. This is God absolutely bless Am- satire. God Bless America is a lot more satire than this. Well, the the whole point of this was really a matter of this guy's looking at the world around him saying, all of this is fake, all of this is baloney, and it's ridiculous. And then it goes like Pulp Fiction on everybody, which is, you know, that's the difference is that it goes Pulp Fiction as opposed to him wanting to just end his own life. He just wants to end everybody else's life. Um, he was going it's Pulp a very- Fiction after, I mean, just to, I'm not going to get into the whole movie, but as soon as... He's fed up with his, well, in God Bless America, as soon as the main character right. is fed up with his neighbor, the way that he's parking his car, it goes full on Pulp Fiction from that point on. That happens in the right. first five minutes of the movie. Right. But I'm saying, but it's it's all about the reasons behind it and why he's what, like him being as angry as he is. Now, I haven't watched God Bless America since you and I must have watched it. I don't remember when that is. I mean, that that was what, 10 well years ago, maybe? Ago. I mean, yeah, and that, that came out in 2011, so it, yeah, it, it very well yeah. may have been, like, right after it came out. Um, so, I don't recall much about it. I probably only watched it, I think I only watched that once, okay. you know, with you. So, but for me, it's kind of like, here's a thing where this guy is just angry about the way things are, and he wants people to know about it. So, similar, similar, um, we'll say, motivation. Okay, in that here. aspect, I would agree you know, with you then. And I think that that if they tried to make a movie like this nowadays, it would be much more like God they Bless did. America. They yeah. did make a movie like this nowadays. Okay, and? It's called The Ugly Truth with Gerard Butler. Didn't see it. Okay. I've never even heard of it. So mm-hmm. Gerard Butler, <clears throat> it, you know, I don't know who Gerard Butler is, obviously, but he he, he is a, he has a TV show where he basically just spews out the ugly truth. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, what's her name? Catherine uh, Heigl. That's her name, right? Catherine yes. Heigl is the, is the female co-star. And she ends up falling in love with him and all of this stuff. I mean, there's no, there's, there's no murder like there is in this movie. But um, basically, it's him. You know, this TV channel is having issues with their ratings. They bring him on. They, the, one of the directors can't stand him, but this other, this other female brings him on and does this whole thing and basically makes him a star. Um, but it's done comedy Hmm. format and it's actually pretty, it's, it's a pretty, um, promiscuous movie for lack of better words. There's a pretty funny scene in the middle of it at a restaurant, um, but it's basically this type of movie where they're trying to bring ratings in with this one person who tries to speak the truth that people want to hear and he's not scripted. He's just going off on his own. And 
So it's basically a newer version of what this is, but in comedy format. Yeah, it's called an uptight, or it's, it's the synopsis on IMDb is an uptight television producer takes control of a morning show segment on modern relationships hosted by a misogynistic man. Mm. Yeah, so he just um, tells ugly truth, but it's about relationships. Yeah. It's about everything. Um, yeah. And he's not scripted. So she has a hard time controlling him. The ratings go up. People love watching mm-hmm. him. He starts getting more and more popular. Um, it's just, he's more the main star. Unlike in this movie, he was more, in this in this movie, you know, what was his name? Howard Beale. He's Howard, like the, yeah. he's like the, you know, he, he's not a main character, but he is a main character. He doesn't have a lot of, like... He's the main character. Up, he's a main character up until a certain point. Like in the first act yeah. of this movie, you experience everything from his perspective, and then it completely moves away from him, which I think is a, a, just an amazing way to tell a story like this. It's and interesting. It goes to her, it pretty it goes much to her perspective. Yes. Well, it, I, th- right. I felt like it almost went more to, to Schumacher. In a way, I feel like Schumacher was the one that I was following for the most part. If you if you're um, if I mean, you're following if you're following if you're trying to find a singular narrative of a film then absolutely you're 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 looking at Schumacher but if you're yeah. looking if you're breaking the movie up into like separate segments the first part of this movie is Howard's and then it goes yeah. into more of Schumacher and then it kind of ends with oh my god I I'm blanking on her character name ah Faye Dunaway like her character yeah. is like really Diana much, yeah Diana she's really yeah. much the end. And I would actually compare it to a different movie. Um, oh my god, The King of Comedy, and um, uh, with um, oh my god, with De Niro, Cedric, Cedric the Entertainer. No, with with with, uh, with Robert De Niro, who's basically a guy who's completely losing his mind, but he desperately wants to be a talk show host. The only difference here is he's not on TV. Everything's just kind of happening in his mind. Whereas in this movie, they actually put the insane person in front of a camera. <laughs> yeah, King of Comedy. I, I've definitely seen it before. That's Jerry Lewis, right? Jerry Lewis and and De Niro. I, yes. Yeah, I remember when I used to work at Blockbuster. I remember seeing that pop up, and I'm like, "Oh, is this is this good? I never seen it." So, what, is that something you'd recommend checking into? Uh, if you like Scorsese, it's okay. I, I do. I will I do. say this: <laughs> it is not your typical Scorsese film. Okay. He's never made anything like that before hmm. or since. It. This is not. Okay. It is not Taxi Driver. It is not Shutter Island. It is not The Departed. It is not Wolf of Wall Street. It is completely left field mm. from anything that he had, has ever done. It's the okay. outlier in his filmography, I would say. So you have to really like Scorsese. You have to, look to really, really hard. like Scorsese <laughs> to get into that movie, yes. All right. Well, sorry for, for going off on this random tangent here. But yeah, it just I just I figured we'd touch upon that for a sec. Just talking about older movies. You know, what was that, the 80s when that came out? 82. 83 yeah that makes sense yeah all right but yeah i mean here's the thing i will say that the cast in this movie i i kept looking it was like everybody who turned around the corner i'm like i know them i know them i know them like faye dunaway i don't know much about her but uh chuck or clyde i'll say she was actually bonnie and bonnie and clyde so i just thought that was a little tidbit of interesting info um but i mean you've got robert duvall she played my wife yeah (laughs) there you go she yeah we got Robert Duvall, Ned Beatty, um, John Carpenter popped up in it. Yeah, he you got did. this character in there, jo- Jordan Charney. I, that's, and, that, and I, I, I just ahead. looked him up. That's John Carpenter, the director. 
Because yes. I looked, him, it's it's not showing. I'm on IMDb. I, sh- I pop on his name. It's not giving me any. It's just giving me his filmography, um, but not his what he's directed, which is weird. Well, this isn't uh, a John well, this, Carpenter this is, this, film. I get that, but usually yeah, when no, you're no, usually when you click on the name though, it'll show actor, director, producer. This is not. It's just showing him it's, as an it's, actor. It's um, a different. It's a different John Carpenter. Yes. Okay. That's why I was asking. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I saw John Carpenter's name. I'm looking at him. I'm like, wait, that's not John Carpenter. <laughs> I know what John <laughs> thinking, Carpenter not, looks like, and not, that's not him. <laughs> so it's a different John Carpenter. Hey, if I'm wrong, somebody finally reach out to us and correct us, you know? But I'm pretty sure this is not John Carpenter. I'm looking at a picture of him right now. I'm like, that's not the guy who did Halloween. No. Not at all. No. Absolutely not. Nope. So, um, but so you get this character, this other guy in there who um he played uh Harry Hunter, one of the guys in there. Jordan Charney, I remembered him because <clears throat> I'm like, what the heck do I remember him from? He was the, I like the dean, I think, that kicked the Ghostbusters out of their lab in the first yep. Ghostbusters film. The guy with the eyebrows, and I was like, oh, I know him. Um, Conchata Farrell, wasn't she in like Two and a Half Men or something like that? She, She's she, in a lot of stuff. Yeah, tons actually. of stuff. Yeah, she was She's Barbara. She's a ton of Schlesinger. stuff. Yeah, so. But I like mean, Lisa, the, the I, think, ca- I think I know her most from Two and a Half Men. She, okay, she was in that show. I didn't watch the show, but I remember she was in that. She was among in Two and a Half things. Men. Yeah. Um, she was in some Adam Sandler stuff, I think. Edward like Scissorhands. Mr. Deeds. She was in Mystic Whoa. Pizza. Oh, she was in Edward oh, yeah. Scissorhands. She was. She was one of the neighbors. Yeah. Oh wow. Um, in the neighborhood. Okay. Haircuts and all. Yeah. Avon calling. Which Two and a Half <laughs> Men was it? The was it all of them or? No, just Two and a Half of them. <laughs> well, there was one with the. With Charlie Sheen, and then it went from him to Ashton Kutcher. Yeah, so I don't know. Was... I don't know. I don't. I don't know or care. But no, I, I will say. Listen, watching this movie, this movie was a slow burn, and now I understand what slow burn means. Um, I was thinking it was like slow burn, like it takes a while for you to really like get into it. And I'm like, no, I was into it as much as I was into it in the beginning. Like it started right off as like tomorrow night I'm going to kill myself right here and like nobody heard him and I'm like I'm like this is ridiculous like two weeks from now two weeks from now or whatever like it was like he said this and then like nobody heard it but one person in the beginning he says tomorrow night I'm going to kill myself no he said two he says I'm giving a two week notice no two weeks I'm going to kill myself on this nope on air next night yeah he said tomorrow he said tomorrow Oh, I heard next Tuesday or something like that, or the following Tuesday or something like that. Mm. No. Yeah. Okay. So he basically said, the next time I'm here, you're going to see me just kill So, myself. yeah. So, and that's after, and that's after obviously, a drunken night with him hanging out with um, with Schumacher. Yeah. Who's like, yeah, you should do that. That'll get the ratings up. And he, But he's, he's just joking around. But he's like, no, I'm serious. <laughs> Sorry, I know I'm getting too much into it here, um, getting into the actual story. But um, it's just... It, it caught me right off the bat, but then everything else was just like, okay, here's all the stuff happening behind it. Here's all the things that are going on in the background. Here's how they're going to use him. And then at the end, it basically happens. Like you said, it all comes full circle to what the original plan was. And, and it reminds me of that meme I showed you before. Um, I wish I could pull it up here, but it was um, like Lord of the Rings. You know how uh, Gandalf shows up and he knocks on on uh, Bilbo's door and he's just like, no. I don't want this and well wishes and this and that and he's like what about old friends and he's just like Gandalf and he lets him in what if he just said no 
and it would just go right to, you know, directed by, you know, J.R. or, you know, Peter Jackson, blah, blah, blah. That's the end of the movie. If he just said no, that would be it. So basically, it's just like, tomorrow I'm going to kill myself. And then it shows tomorrow, he kills himself, end of the movie. End of the movie. You know, that's basically it. So it came full circle to what we would have gotten if all that other stuff didn't happen. So it's just, it's it. that's what makes me look at it and go, huh, it didn't need to happen because it just happened anyway. But we get to see the insides of a media, you know, magnate, you know, that's just... Um, Going the things crazy. we do for ratings. The it's things, insane. yeah, exactly. The things it's we do insane. for ratings. So you say you, you say the movie would be over if he just committed to his his threat and killed himself live on TV, but then you wouldn't get the entire story about you know this corporate right. world taking over a television syndicate, which is the actual like exactly. main crux of the film. Exactly. So that's that's. I'm what actually makes really surprised. You have more to say about this than I thought you would have. Oh, okay. Well, no, I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised with this. I thought you would have been like, yeah, this happened, whatever. I thought that's kind of, but no, man. Yeah. No, that's, that's where we're at. I mean, you, again, you mentioned this to me probably with sometime within the past 10 years. So you got to watch this movie network. And I'm like, oh, and again, I, the, the whole, I'm mad as hell. Yeah. And I'm not going to take it anymore. That's the only thing I knew that Michael Richards took for the movie UHF. That's the biggest thing. Of, yeah. <laughs> And it's it's funny because I watched this. I'm like, yeah, that is something that like everybody repeated over and over again. And it it, it does make me laugh because it was very similar um, to the way that Michael Richards took that back in '85. When was UHF? Was that was '85? I thought it was '85. Either way, like they they took it because it was popular. And all you know, obviously, if you know anything about Weird Al. Um, it, it, that's what he does. He makes parodies of everything. That whole movie was just a giant parody. Oh, sorry, eighty nine was UHF. Wow. So yeah, it makes sense that nineteen seventy six. If you're like, oh yeah, this is existent, people know it, and uh, yeah. So right. yeah, that's so, it. Kick us off, Will. So like Lee was saying, the beginning of this movie kicks off with a character by the name of Howard Beale, who's a news anchor who recently lost his wife and. He's going through all of his different kinds of life trauma, who's now a bit of a drunk, and his new show is losing ratings rapidly. So him and an old friend, Max Schumacher, they get properly hammered. They don't say that in the film, but they, they get properly hammered, and he get, basically Max breaks the news to him like, hey, we're, we're canceling your show. You're done after a couple of days. It's all over. To which Howard says, I'm just going to blow my brains out right here on the counter right now, and Max goes into this whole thing about imagine what that would do for ratings. Imagine what a lot of things would do for raising televised terrorism, executions, etc. Going on the whole thing. And it's absolutely ridiculous that this is coming out of Max's mouth, given where his character ends up at the end of this movie. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Sure. So it really is. On Howard's second-to-last broadcast, he announces that tomorrow night, live on TV, he's going to kill himself. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah and nobody cares. no one no one like, cares. nobody notices it no one cares <laughs> the news station and network all at first they don't notice exactly what he did but then they immediately take notice like wait a minute did he just say he's gonna kill himself <laughs> and then the entire broadcast team goes into a kerfluffle trying to get howard off of the off of the camera out of you howard actually stands up from his chair and punches one of these guys out it's fabulous i just I, I didn't know what i wanted to say there but whatever 
and there's actually mm. like a screen, a, a, a still image of video difficulties or temporary comes up, and that's basically the end of the broadcast. The way this yeah. movie opens is amazing. I loved it. Great. I loved how it opened. Oh, yeah. Who's, who's the one, the beginning and the end, you have a guy narrating the film. Is that Schumacher? I don't know who, is who that is. Yeah, they didn't really, it was funny because you don't, I remember when it came back, I was like, wait, did we have a narrator this whole time or did it? No, it was just the beginning. Of the no, it, no, it, no, it's in it's in a couple of different places. And I think the narrator is just there to break up the different acts of the movie. Anyways. So, of course, the next morning, all the corporate, all the corporate heads of this network, they begin to scramble in an attempt to fix this new problem that they have. And how are they going to get away from this? So, against all rational thought, Howard is allowed to return to television the next <laughs> night to go out in some more of a dignified manner instead of like a clown. Those are his words, not mine. Yeah, and they let yeah, him do yeah. it. They let him go back on television, and it's, it's, it immediately gets into more ridiculous shenanigans. Once he's back on television, he starts to ramble about what BS life is, all with a friendly smile <laughs> on his face. It's amazing that, that, yep. that he's allowed to do this. This was... Fantastic. Oh, yeah. Amazing. This is a good time to jump into Diana's character, who's played by Faye Dunaway. <laughs> Let's do it. Who's pretty much looking for her next big show. She's in a meeting, and she pitches a show about some activists. And the idea behind this show, to, to pitch a show about political activists committing actual violence in 1976, is astounding. Yep. That. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of time, a lot of the things though too is, she brought this up in her pitch, in a lot of the stuff that she talked about. But she used the phrase "craggy middle-aged men." Okay, <laughs> yeah. She's yeah. reading. She's reading a series of what? scripts. She's reading a series of scripts from television shows that she's being presented to by an aide of hers or whatever like that. They're just. I assume that they're just like script writers from all across the country who are just looking to get on television. And, and that's the format, because if you look at every cop show that came out in the 70s or in the 80s, every single one of them had a craggy middle-aged male. Every yep. single one of them. It was like a oh, staple. Yeah. yeah, it was a thing. Mm -hmm. So she's going, so she's sitting there and she's getting pitched all of these horrible television shows <clears throat> later on in the film. And as soon as she hears about what Howard had done the night before, she immediately goes into this thing about how that drove up ratings and she, she, the light bulb goes off. And she immediately wants to put this man back on camera with his own television show. And she convinces one of the station suits by the name of Frank, who's played by Robert Duvall, to give Howard his own show. And so it is. You would have to think, though, for as smart as she is, people don't mind hearing the truth like that, but they can only take so much. Right. So sooner or later, it's going to go, it's going to peak and then crash and it's going to crash hard. Yeah. And it did, but, but we've been waiting. Is... We've been, we've been waiting for reality TV to crash for 20 years and it hasn't yet. People love watching car crashes. So let's, let's go. Yeah, what, but this what, isn't, if you this can, isn't if reality you can, TV though. This is, it isn't. Can... This, this so is, this is, this is a man who's suffering from something. He's not very well in the head and they're putting him on camera. Right, but they're just letting him tell people just obscure thoughts that are going through his mind. And he's just, it's not scripted reality TV show, TV. 
Um, do you think Howard is mentally fit to be on television? Oh, heck no. Then <laughs> that, there you go. <laughs> That's the point that I'm trying to make. Everybody loves watching a car wreck. <clears throat> so let's think about, I mean, to, to further prove your point, Will, if you could think back to something that we knew as reality TV, besides the real world, like that whole like people living in a house together, what are the first things you think of that's basically like I'm watching a car wreck right now? Real world. Aside, aside, aside from real world and road rules, I just, I just said. Aside but that's, from that's those. the first thing that. I, well, okay, fine. How about what? What was it with Brett Michaels, The Rock of Love, and 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 Flavor Flav's, you know, whatever, whatever his show was. That, that, that these are all car wreck television shows that came out twenty years ago, and they spawned an entire generation of reality TV that has not died yet because people love watching the car wreck. True. Well, I'm thinking cops, Jerry Springer. Like those are the Jerry two big Springer ones. Jerry Springer is scripted. That's my point, though. But they make it seem like it's not. They try to pretend like it's not. I mean, sure. nowadays everybody sure. knows. Okay. But that's the that's that's my whole thing right there. Like this kind of fits for me. It really fits along with that Jerry Springer thing. Like this guy is nuts. Let's just let him do his thing. We'll pull the strings in the background and just let this kind of happen like this. Well, Springer. But then they, Springer himself wasn't nuts. He just found. Well, quote unquote, crazy people to come on the show and, and, and act out their their drama live on television because he knew that there was going to be a market for that. So was was he actually some type of like like uh, therapist? No, like because no. he pretended like he was the, the, dude, <laughs> the dude is a comedian. He was known as a comedian and suddenly they gave him a talk show where he helps people work out their problems. Yeah, in, like, the, in the early 90s, this was true, but then it immediately turned into you're with my sister and now no, I'm going to beat no, you it up. Never, my, point is, my point is it never was. This guy has no um, qualifications no. to be walking people through stuff. No, none. And that's what made the show what it was. The Neither guy was a Dr. comedian. Phil. Is he not a doctor? He is not. A, I do not believe he's a licensed therapist. Or if he is a licensed therapist, I think he had to give it up before he signed a television deal. Yo, maybe he's like a vet. He's <laughs> 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 like, my name's Dr. Phil. Um, I did uh, uh, Oprah. two. two <laughs> he did two Oprah. He was on Oprah. Oh, That's right, how he got right. his start. But like, but the I same concept there, like Doctor Phil, Doctor Oz, <laughs> like these are not legit. They do not have an office somewhere where you could actually <laughs> like go and see them. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Oz get... actually does. No, no he does he? doesn't. Yes, he in the wonderful in the wonderful world of Oz. He, no. no, he is an actual doctor. He's a licensed uh, physician. Hundred yeah. percent. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. 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 Sorry, I will. No, go ahead. No, that that's it. That's it. I just wanted to get into that whole thing for a second there because it's it just we're we're talking about reality TV and this is reality TV back in the day. Like obviously things weren't like that back in 76, but like imagine if it got crazy like this and we're like, yeah, we've seen it. It did go like this. You know, we just didn't see the background of things way back in the day and say, "Wait, were some of the things that happened back in the 70s and 80s actually just this and we didn't know? Hmm. It's entirely possible. Oh, absolutely. So it, it makes me kind of go back and question like everything I've ever seen in media in the past, like, you know, beyond my years uh, on this earth. So that's that. Chuck, you look like you had something to say. 
Nope. Okay. So anyways, while Diana is sitting down with Frank discussing the uh, the pitch for this show that she wants to for Howard to have, and I cannot believe that these words came out of her mouth, the idea is for a Latter-day Prophet, a magnificent messianic figure against the hypocrisies of our times. <laughs> that is the pitch for this show. Messianic. <laughs> oh my God. I love, I love it. I love every bit of it. Oh, it's ridiculous. Frank gives a little bit of pushback saying that we're talking about putting (laughs) we're talking about putting a a manifestly (laughs) irresponsible man on national television and she just shrugs it off and basically goes yep that's the plan pretty much and so it is and and that's how this show gets brought to be. Back in the news office, a crew is celebrating Howard that Howard is going to be an angry prophet denouncing the hypocrisy of our times. And of course, they all applaud and cheer and, and, and whatnot. They're all incredibly happy for him. I just find it really hard to believe that nobody in the situation who's close to Howard at all doesn't stand up and say, hey, maybe this isn't the best idea in the world. You had a somewhat of a psychotic break on live television and now this massive conglomerate is talking about giving you your own show. Maybe, like, somebody here with some kind of rational thinking, but nobody. Like, initially, nobody. Not a word from nope. anybody. Mm-hmm. No, Because ratings are more important. Uh, exactly. The initial response to the new Howard Beale show was not auspicatory. The press was without exception hostile and industry reaction negative. The ratings for the Thursday and Friday shows were both 14, but Monday's rating dropped a point, clearly suggesting the novelty was wearing off. Yep. So, moving forward, the ratings for Bill's new show are performing particularly well. Diana wants him to be a lot more over the top, over the top and she even includes, why don't we introduce a weekly seg- segment involving a psychic? <laughs> <laughs> and then seeing if her predictions come true the following week. And then seeing if her predictions come through. Yeah, the, 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 whole, the whole gambit is being laid out here. We then see Howard laying down in bed and he hears a voice. He, we, this doesn't become really important until later in a theory that I have, but he's laying in bed and he hears a voice. And the next night he tells his viewers about it. The voice wants Howard to tell them the truth. The voice isn't God, nor is it talking about eternal, absolute, or ultimate truth. Is talking about impermeant, transient human truth. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that that truth. Exactly. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Howard then asks the voice, "Why me?" And the voice responds, "Because you're on TV, dummy. On television. <laughs> you have forty million people watching and listening to you, and after the show, you could have fifty million. Yeah. Yep." <laughs> The next day, this guy's lost it. Huh? This guy is lost. This guy it. is absolutely out of his mind. And after out a couple of, of shows, to the point, to the point where he has to sleep at somebody else's house because oh, we'll, they're so worried. We'll about get him. there. We'll get there. So, after a couple of shows, obviously his buddy Max thinks Howard is having a complete mental break. Howard ensures him that he's not insane. He's imbued. <laughs> imbued. Now, this is, it's funny to me when I hear imbued. I don't know why. Like he kept, they kept saying it. He kept saying it. It reminds me of when, when Walt kept saying, "I was in a fugue state. I was in a fugue state." <laughs> yeah. Like that's what this kept reminding me of over and over again. It's ridiculous. So, 
Okay, we'll get there, but keep going. I'm jumping ahead. So Howard ensures his buddy Max that this is not a religious failing, but a shocking eruption of electrical energy like he's been plugged into some type of metro electromagnetic field. <laughs> you're uh, you're, then he you're starts not convincing to, anybody. Then please. he starts to erratically scream at the people who are in his office, you are not taking me off the air, and he promptly passes out. Yep. Okay, so I, 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 okay, I thought we were here. Yeah. I did not jump ahead. Yeah. So... This now spawns the end of his segment for every TV show. Yep. Yes. Yes. This is how it all it all kind of goes. So, very important. So, <laughs> uh, the end of his TV show, I'm guessing it's all faked. Do you think this one was faked, or do you think this was an actual episode? I don't, I don't think, think him any of it passing was faked. out at all was fake. No, I don't think so at all. I think that he did this because he literally just overworked himself I think, and that was it. I think this is somebody, I think this is a delusional man who got way too worked up. There's probably mm-hmm. some type of anxiety going on and he just passes out when he's done ranting and raving. Or... Yeah, you think that happens at every episode? Sure. I, I, yeah. I like to think that. <laughs> <laughs> or... When, do, when does this episode end? Well... <laughs> when he faints. <laughs> when done. he passes out. <laughs> I guess this is all... <laughs> Or, or he's either he's either having an episode and he's passing out because of it, or, and this is just a theory of mine, it's just the voice that he's hearing is done speaking, and that's the cue for him to 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 fall asleep or something like that. Like something like that's going. There is, hang on, there is minor evidence for that to be the case towards the end of this movie, and you both know what I'm talking about, and we will yeah. get there. But it's just a theory. It's not one that I subscribe to, but it's just a theory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I don't I don't think that like Conchu is like speaking through him and then you know obviously not he leaves. Oh, it must be Ahmed. So after Howard passes out, Max decides that he's going to bring him back to his apartment or, or home. What I don't know whether he lives in a house or an apartment. It's really hard to tell that kind of thing when you're looking at a lot of well, these '70s movies. Well, he well, lives at home a, with his a, wife. He lives at home with his wife. Sure, apartment. Sure, a, apartments big, in in the city. Apartments in the in the city. Back in the day when you could like pay, you know, five hundred dollars a month for a mansion apartment, resembled a house. Yeah, that's yeah. Yes, yeah, yes. So brings him back to his house, and in the middle of the night, Howard gets up off the couch, goes into the closet, throws on a trench coat, and leaves. And uh, <laughs> we don't know where he's going yet. Frank, along with some of the network suits, are over the moon at the numbers that Howard is doing on his show. He's just uh, he's just about on his show when he was talking about this magical voice that he heard. He's a smash hit. They're getting phone calls from all over the country. They've gotten something like a, a 2,000 or more messages about this man. He is a smash hit. He's going to be a massive success for the network. So Frank obviously wants to know where he is. When are we going to get him back here? we got to get this person back on the air. So what's really interesting about that is he went on TV and told everybody about, you know, the voice that the he voice. heard. And he said everything. He said the entire conversation, which I thought was actually pretty interesting because we we saw him responding. And then immediately when we saw him on air, he explains what the voice said to him and then what, how he responded. Yes. So it's like so it kind of got us intrigued. Like, what was the conversation? OK. And he like smiles at the end like, mm-hmm. ooh, like, OK, well, that's interesting. So. 
it, it makes it very easy for the, um, we'll say the manipulation later on to come up because he basically broadcast exactly what the conversation was to make him believe whatever people want to make him believe because this man is clearly off his rocker yes. and very manipulatable. Yes. Or, yeah, eas- easily manipulated. Easily manipulated, yes. Yep. <laughs> Obviously, Max being seemingly his only friend in this movie doesn't want to put Howard back on TV. He's Mm-mm. just very concerned about his mental health. And after explaining all this, the station runner, Frank, decides to fire Max immediately. I want you out of the building by noon, and if you don't leave, I'm going to have you thrown out. These are the words. Now, mind you, Frank Hackett is played Frank by Hackett, Robert Duvall. Robert Duvall, yep. Fantastic in this. Robert Duvall is an incredibly I mean, underrated actor for his time. Oh, absolutely. He, absolutely. He, he should be up there with the <laughs> likes of Pacino and Brando and all of them. Like, But he's not for whatever reason, and it's really... It's weird. Not until later on. Later on, he becomes bigger. He's yeah. he's massive. He was great. The he 70s, was great. not so much. 80s and 90s, he was a bigger actor than he was in the 70s. Tell me right. that he was great and gone t- in 60 seconds. Tell <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> tell me that. Okay. So tell me that his acting. He was in The Godfather. Exactly, I was just about to go there. You can't tell me like, that how his can acting you, how can isn't you miss on par that? with Pacino in The Godfather because it is. Yeah. You're, you're talking Pacino and. and no, I'm saying his know, acting is up there, but he became more recognized in the 80s and 90s than he was in the 70s. Well, mostly because of what he did in the past. I think, yeah. I think what it comes down to, and this is my my understanding of it. I didn't have a respect for Robert Duvall until later on when I saw him in other things and then started seeing him in the older movies because I started going back into things like The Godfather and whatnot and being like, oh, you know what? Robert Duvall's really good. Same with um, the other one. Um, Oh, my God. He's in everything now. Uh, Elf and The Godfather. Uh, Misery. Uh, uh, Come on. Misery. Oh, 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 yes. Why am I missing his name? Oh, my God. <laughs> I know who oh, you're talking no. about. Um, Khan? Ed Harris? Khan? Is that who you're talking Ed, about? No, not Ed Harris. Oh, my God. Misery. James Khan. James, James Khan. Khan. Oh, yeah. you're right. Yeah, James Khan. Why did I get him and yeah. Ed Harris confused? Uh, don't worry, I do, too. Don't worry, <laughs> I, I do, too, for some reason. I forgot about that. Have you seen, he was in Thank You for Smoking. Have you seen yes. Thank You yeah. for Smoking? Yes. That was a fantastic. Thank yes. You for Smoking. Actually, that's very similar to this too. You know, he was, um, that was, uh, well, not similar to this, and it, but it's, it's about, it's a satire about what's going on in the background. And that was about a, um, Aaron Eckhart, was, right? Aaron Eckhart was a smoking campaigner, um, trying to get people, trying to sneak, like trick people into smoking. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Actually, that was a, that was a fantastic, that came out. Oh boy, I think I want to say it came out. I was gonna say 2005, 2006. I worked at Blockbuster. I remember when that came out, it, and I I thought it was fantastic. Remember they they ended up like kidnapping the dude and then slapping a bunch of um, uh, patches that like nic- nicotine patches on him and almost killed him. Yeah, because they were trying to get back at him for trying to, you know, kill everybody with cigarettes. I will say Duvall was I just as, as I'm going through That's this, was. he was on you know, class. A acting with John Travolta and Phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> Phenomenon. <laughs> I'm gonna pretend like you didn't just say that movie. Anyways, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, hold on, hold on. Was it all in his head? Was it all the tumor? Or the tumor was in his head. Yes. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or did was he did he was he using the force? I'm just you know. I mean, because I mean, Saul Guerrero was there, right? His buddy Forrest Whitaker. So I'm just saying, maybe maybe he had enough midichlorians. Stop it. So later, no? that, so later that right. night, oh. Howard walks right back into. <laughs> later Sorry, that night, guys. Howard walks into the new into the news station, soaking wet with the same jacket he had on the night before when he disappeared, and he marches straight for set. And he is seated down in front of the camera, and the crew is around him, miking him up and putting the makeup on, and we are ready to go, and the cameras roll. And he begins with, things are bad. The economy is bad. The food is unfit to eat. The air is unfit to breathe. There's violence going on in the streets. People are scared in their homes, and all they want to do is be left alone in their living rooms. He really doesn't know what to do about anything, though, but he wants the people to get mad. He tells the world yeah. to open their windows and start screaming, I am as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. And that's exactly what the entire city world. of New York world <laughs> sure does. And, the and that scene, becomes a tagline for the remainder of his show. And the scene ends with just everybody within New York City screaming, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Diana oh, was, no, it wasn't, it wasn't just New York City because they I'm, were asking. They were, they were reaching yeah, out everywhere yeah, else. I, yeah. I know. Diana is running around jumping on different phones in the television station from different cities in the country and people are screaming there too. This is a mm-hmm. smash success. No one cares about his mental, mental state. No one cares about the message that he's actually sending out. All the suits care about is that this worked and people are connecting with it and everybody's just getting ready to get paid a buttload of money. And this is where he becomes the, not the main character. He's very much in the background after this. He's now the background main character of the TV. He's just a TV show character. You don't see, you don't see storytelling like that anymore where the main character that you're introduced in the first or even the second act fades into the background in the third. It's right. fantastic the way that it's done. Well, it's fantastic because we don't see it, but I think that a lot of people would frown upon it. Like, I'm, I, I enjoy it because it's, it's different for me because I'm like, I want something different. I've seen a lot of things. So for me, I'm like, I like how they did this because yes. we weren't just stuck with the same old thing. Yes. But I feel like if more movies were done this way, we would get tired of it very quickly yeah and you're like can we just have some consistency yeah here? i know what you so, mean so i think the reason why we appreciate it is because it's not the norm don't get me wrong it's, i don't want this done everywhere like, no, the, the, like, no, like no, this it, style it, it has a place it has, it has a, place. a place like this style would not work if if other directors decided to do it and no. I, I i go to this example a lot not everybody can quentin tarantino it, it, no, it cannot work it cannot work in the hands of anybody else this, this works here for what it is, and it's fantastic. By mid-October, the Howard Beale Show had settled in at a 42 share, more than equaling all the other network news shows combined. In the Nielsen ratings, the Howard Beale Show was listed as the fourth highest-rated show of the month, surpassed only by the $6 million man, All in the Family, and Phyllis, a phenomenal state of affairs for a news show. And on October the 15th, Diana Christensen flew to Los Angeles for what the trade calls powwows and confabs with our West Coast programming execs to get production rolling on the shows for the coming season. So, months Hmm. later, I I don't know how long later, that's the one complaint that I have about this movie, 
is that they yeah, don't no do a timeline. Ve- they don't do a very good job keeping a consistent timeline. You kind of have to right. guess. Is this days right. later, weeks, months? You don't really know what's going on, and that's that's Not my major complaint about this movie. So some time has passed. I'll just say that, and Diana is now pitching her reality show about some type of terrorism and activism, and she's sitting down with this woman who at first denounces any kind of violence, says she really doesn't want to be a part of this until she hears the 40 to 50 million people will potentially watch and dollar signs go off in her eyes and she's going to go and she's going to talk with her people about getting this show put together. Now, who's this woman again? Is this like Doreen or something? I don't know her name. I didn't write it down. Well, she was the... Uh, she the was the activist. Who, well, she, she was the communist she, yeah, she, activist that she was talking to. Well, I, I love how when we first see her, she introduces herself as a communist. Like they, they basically say, "I'm, I'm all these horrible things that people say about me," and then, the, and then Diana comes back with, "I'm all these horrible yes. things that people say about They're me." They're dropping the oh, facade. Oh, well, nice, nice to meet you. I thought that was amazing. Well, I think they both get it. Like this meeting isn't about a right. cause. This meeting is about no. money. Right. Like and the I cause has was, gone completely out the great. window, especially that, with this that's, woman. That's something. To, I think that's something was to there, touch upon. Was there, was there ever a meeting that was about a cause or anything else aside from money in this movie? No. 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 This movie no. is completely about money. This movie is all about money, all about ratings, all about capitalism. No. There was one meeting. It was the very beginning of the movie. It was Max and Howard, and Howard at the bar. Get, getting drunk at the bar. That was it. But even that, that was the only thing. Even that, because I talked about it, even that became a little bit about money because Max was the but guy. it was a joke. It was a joke, Was though. it? Because he's right from Max, yeah. Well, because mm-hmm. he's ultimately right. Well, so he, maybe maybe you're right. It. Maybe it's a joke, but he's not it, like everything that he's saying. He's not wrong. Well, no, but that's what we do. It's 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 levity, and and sure. and the situations that we're in when we look around and say, "Man, this whole situation sucks." Hey, what about this? Like somebody told somebody dropped some crazy bomb yesterday that's like in, in like it's a totally irreparable, irreversible situation in their life, like a medical condition. And I was like, wow. And I had to before I could even respond to it and say, I'm so sorry to hear about that, I immediately went to, I can't handle this information. And hey, I once saw a sketch that made fun of that. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, oh my god! Like I can't believe I went that route. But that's that's what it is. It's like we we look at the real truth and we go, sorry, that's too serious right now. Let's joke about it. Like this is it. We look at our situation and we laugh about it because what else are we gonna do? We know it's happening. We know it's inevitable. All we can do is laugh at it. Maybe it's just one of those things where if somebody comes to you with a situation that they're going through and you don't have firsthand experience, you don't feel qualified to to to, to speak on it or even right. even offer up some kind of apology. But if you do, like if you if you've been through something before that somebody's you know going through, you'd be able to sit down with that person and say, hey. And then go through whatever conversation you're going to have. No, we we definitely it, it followed up with that. Okay. I'm just saying I'm I'm talking about levity in, in the in the the midst of like okay. well it's 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 already done. It's not like things are going to change. But I said like but I will pray for you and I'll pray for a miracle. <laughs> you know, so that's kind of where it went. But the reality is like it's it's already done. Hey, let me just make you laugh about it yeah. because here we are. The situation is bleak, but. Well, what else are we going to do gonna about do? it? <laughs> Let's just laugh yeah. or try to downplay it to a joke. And I think that's what what Howard or not Howard, but um Max was doing. 
right? They're like, this is ridiculous, but I bet you if you went ahead and did this, check out those ratings. Ha <laughs> ha Like he knew it because he knew it was true, but yeah. he's like joking about it, not thinking that Howard would actually go up there, bring a gun in and blow his brains out on TV. You know, he's not um, Arthur Fleck, you know, bringing guns into TV studios and, you know, taking out De Niro. So whatever. So later on, we then see what was once a simple news show that has now transformed into a variety show, complete with an audience that screams Howard's famous catchphrase on cue, a psychic named (laughs) Sybil the Soothsayer, your typical 1970s truther, and Miss Marta Harai and her skeletons in the closet. (laughs) This whole thing is so ridiculous. (laughs) And it makes me laugh because that's what they were doing again with the whole Stanley Spadowski thing in UHF where it's like, we've got these segments and check this out. Like they were just like overcapitalizing and and marketing everything. Everybody got a Um, everybody got a variety show in the 70s, though. The Partridge family, the Brady Bunch, like everybody got them. Oh, Chuck, did you see that variety show thing I sent you with the with the Osmonds, the, the Star Wars no. thing? Did you watch it? It was so bad. It was no. Donnie Marie Osmond dressed up as Princess Leia and Luke running around. And this is like right after A New Hope. So it like there was no context. It didn't make sense if you try to like match it up with everything else. And the stormtroopers dancing and singing. And you're like, oh, no. So after all the variety it, it, segments are introduced, we then go to uh, our star that they are calling the mad prophet of the airways. Howard Beale. And he gets a standing ovation on cue. There's actually a guy in the background pumping up the crowd, throwing his arms up in the air. Yeah, come on, applaud. And they're all doing it. And oh, it's, it's insane. He then cuts one of the best you people promos I've ever heard of my life. Less than 3% of you people read books. Less than 15% of you read newspapers. The only truth is what you get over this tube. And he cuts into the entire generation about about television and how detrimental it is on society. And this entire generation, they know nothing else but what we tell them out of this tube. We lie to Mm -hmm. you. It's an illusion. This isn't fake. This is real. We turn. (laughs) We're not not in the news telling business. We're in the boredom killing business. Find truth in God, in your gurus, or in yourself. Because TV lies. He tells everybody oh, to turn off the TV, and then, in spectacular fashion, he passes out, and the audience is instructed to cheer all over again. This was brilliant. Yes. It was and I kept brilliant. sitting there saying, like, I wonder how many people turned off their TV, or how many people just sat there and waited yeah. to see if you said more. Like, he's like, turn off your TVs, turn off your TVs, and they don't. In the middle of don't. the sentence. So it, was, it was brilliant. He's like, because he's like, you guys are real. We are the illusionists. Yeah. We got the illusion. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> Absolutely. A yep. lot of a lot of what he says, and I said this at the beginning, is applicable today when it comes to internet culture. Absolutely. One hundred percent. Something yeah, I weird. thought everything on the internet was real. <laughs> everything on the yes, internet is do. real. Okay, we then see we then see Frank speaking at a prob- speaking at a corporate board meeting, and he's touting the success of the station due to the success of the Howard Beale show. And in short, profits are being made well ahead of projection, and everybody in the room basically tells him, good job, keep up the good work, and that's the end of the scene. That's all, yeah. <laughs> that's all this guy actually cared about was just getting approval from his bosses in the corporate world. It's fantastic. Oh, yeah. I love how it, it, no matter what, they always cut straight to the point. Yep. Even between Max <clears throat> and, what's her name? Diana. Diana. 
so I should know like, that I... They just cut straight to the point. Good, yeah. <laughs> I should note that uh, earlier in the movie, there was kind of a thing between Max and Diana that went somewhere but didn't go anywhere right before Max was fired. That comes back around here where they rekindle their romance and they go away for a romantic weekend. And I think it's really telling that Diana can't do anything on this weekend without talking about her career while they're oh, eating, course. while they're on the beach, while they're... Hang on. While they're eating, while they're on the beach, while they're in bed, all she's talking about is her brand new show about political activism. And she, and like it's almost like Max can't get a word in edgewise. I don't think he no. says anything during this entire quote unquote montage. It's just her talking well, about her career. She did warn him because when they were out to dinner and she's like. I'm bad in, I've been told I've been bad in bed by every guy I know. Yeah. I'm bad at this. Yep. I'm bad at this. I'm bad, I'm bad, at, bad, this. At, that. I'm bad at that. The only thing I'm good at is <clears throat> my job. My, my job. Yeah. 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 That's it. You're right. She warns him. He doesn't care though. And, and it, no, it, and, and he even says later on, like, he's just like totally infatuated with her, but has like, but he doesn't even know why. Doesn't even know why, but he's so infatuated with her. It's because of her schoolgirl crush. He's enamored. He's 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 going through a midlife crisis. He came across a woman that admitted to having a schoolgirl crush on him, and that's as far right. as he thought. He is he right. he is a man. <clears throat> yep. That's well, that yeah, that's yeah. basically the that's basically how that goes. I don't think there's anything more to read into that, unless you want to nope. get real deep into it and say that while he doesn't like the corporate lifestyle, he might be attracted to it a little bit. If you really wanted to read that deeply into it, I'm sure you could extrapolate something like that. I don't know. This this movie, there's not a lot to hide. This movie is dead on it's, the nose. It's all, it yeah, knows exactly it's all what it open. is the whole way through. You say yeah. that, you say that, but then we get scenes like what's about to happen next when Max goes home and tells his wife about everything that's been going on between right. him and Diana. And it's almost like a fourth wall break because he then goes into this whole story about how, you know, Diana has our entire scenario played out. And at, at the end of all of them, she has me leaving her to come back to you. And it's uh-huh. so it's such a weird conversation to be having in the middle of any kind of argument or breakup or when somebody admits to infidelity. It's really odd. It's, it's oddly it's very weird. That's why I'm saying like but if it you happens. want that exact thing happens. Well, yeah, and he knew that that happens here. I'm talking about like in actual life or in any other movie that we saw. We, you're not having a conversation as candid as this one. But he's telling his wife that, and then at the towards the end, exactly what he said happens. He's not hiding it. He's not. He, he's not hiding it. But I'm, I'm more saying into the point of before how you and Lee are on the side of this movie doesn't really have a lot to hide. But then you get a scene that's a fourth wall break like this that kind of peels back the curtain on not the characters but like the movie itself. Right. That's, 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 which proves, which, which says our point that it's not really high. It's, it's sure it's, they're putting yeah. it out there to, they're like, here's what we're doing. I'm yeah. telling you what's going to happen an hour before it happens. He even, he even has a line here where he goes, you know, here we are in the middle of the second act of a movie and the scorned wife throws the cheating husband out. But I'll return to you in the end because the audience won't be, audience won't buy anything, anything along the lines of the rejection of the happy American family. Yeah, it's weird. That's all I'm it's saying. It's very weird. It's oddly. It's and then at the very end, even Diana's like, "So you're gonna go back to your wife?" And he's like, "I'm gonna try." Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if she'll have it, but I'm gonna try. Even though I already told her that's what I was gonna do. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna put you on hold for a little bit. I'm gonna go try this, and then I'll come back to you. 
See how it, it was. A, it was very, very odd. And I'm and I'm thinking, I'm like, is this what things were like in the seventies? Is this like a normal thing? Because they all kind of took it. Like his wife said, like I'm hurt. You know, I'm hurt. This is ridiculous. But I'm wondering, is like, were people just so used to like this misogynist, like like the the guy can just do whatever he wants, and yes. then the wife just waits. Yes. Yep. Yeah. That's. Yes. Ridiculous. And two daughters, apparently. You're talking. You're talking about it, and you're talking about a generation that's. For the lack of a better word, selfish. The good word. So, the, the, so the, the, the boomers, the though. boomers that came before us, especially you know, the male population of boomers, incredibly selfish in what they wanted to do. They mm. did what they wanted to do without unapologetically at every turn. You're right. The male boomers now, or not now, but later on, it became the females that did the thing where it's like we can do this, we can do that. And it, and it became this whole, this new thing like, oh, he talks to you like that? Divorce him. It's like, wait, 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 what, what? <laughs> Anything <laughs> you on. can do, I can do better. Anything you can do, I can do better. But I think there's right. a big difference between I'm going to do whatever I want in my marriage and you're going to sit there and wait for me as opposed to I'm going to do whatever oh, yeah. I want with my life and my career. Two completely different mindsets. Oh, no, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying now when people run into an issue with marriage, they just get rid of the marriage. That's the issue now. People don't try to work on fixing the marriage to say, well, it's, oh, let's get divorced then. I would say infidelity is a just cause to get divorced. It is. I'm not saying, I didn't say anything about infidelity. I'm just talking about like people. But that's what just we're being talking upset. about. Like, I'm, I'm talking about infidelity because that's what's going on here. Right. But the thing is, infidelity was an issue back then. But the thing is, infidelity is a problem across the board, male and female nowadays, because everybody just wants to do whatever they want to do. They're all selfish now. Sure. I would say that infidelity um, from the males ish, males um, side was a bigger issue back in the 70s and, you know, whatever. But nowadays, it's, it's across it's, the board, it's everybody. It's equal. Yeah, you're right. That's what I'm getting at. So anything you can do, I can do better. Sure. Right? That's, that's where we're at. Everybody is just selfish. Yep. Not just the males. Yeah, I would agree with that. So... Fast forward a little bit, and we're back to the side where this... Con- okay, this is my favorite part of the movie. The Mao Zedong Hour went on the air March 14th. It received a 47 share. The network promptly committed to 15 shows with an option for 10 more. There were the usual contractual difficulties. We're in this activist basement, and we're drawing up contracts to, to, to talk about who's going to get what Who's getting what cut? What percentage you're going to be getting? We're talking about numbers. We're mixing corporate speak with political activism in a really funny way. There are is, uh, is this Ahmed? Yes, this is the, Ahmed, This right? is the great Ahmed Khan. Great is that his Ahmed name? Khan. The great yeah. Ahmed yeah. Khan. So he's sitting there going through all of this paperwork, and they're discussing and arguing, and it's just the way that they're able to mix corporate speak with political activism. It's hilarious. I couldn't believe that. It's because ridiculous. What happened? It's ridiculous. It's it, but it 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 works because everybody's on the same page about money. Yeah. I love his way of shutting everybody up. So this woman is going <laughs> on and on about her deal and her cut and what she's gonna get and her show and she's not gonna give up what she has in her contract. And the great Amakan fires off one round and says, "Just give her what she wants." And then the entire room acts like nothing happens, and they calmly move on. And the great Amakan <laughs> puts his gun away, and he goes, So, 
Back to business. Page 22, 5. Small A. Subsidiary rights. <laughs> it's just like, It was insanity. <laughs> it was brilliant. It was fantastic. I was watching. I'm like, did that really just happen? Yes, that really just <laughs> happened. And you even have a woman, and I'm not going to do it justice, so I won't try it. I won't even try to paraphrase. But you even have a woman who's, who's like part of the activist crew, and she even jumps up. And she's going on and on about money and profits and, and all these other, but she's screaming at it in such a loud way that you would think she's at a political rally, but she's not. Yep. She's in a corporate meeting <laughs> to just, and everything just subsides as soon as this dude fires off his gun. It's fantastic. Yep. And like as I said, even, happened. even after he fires his gun off, the corporate people in the room just operate as business as usual. They don't care. It's fantastic. But that's the point. The point is that everything we see, everything we're hearing and whatever, it's all business. It's all just normal all for these business, people yes. that are living this type of life. It's it's ridiculous. I'm going to try that one day, see how normal it is. Just pull out my nine, <laughs> middle of a conversation in a business meeting, shoot it through the ceiling, see how everyone responds. When everybody's, when everybody's arguing about money or profits or whatever like that, and you need to do this better. No, you need to do that better, and you just fire off one shot. Everybody needs to do better. Anyways, moving on, paragraph five. Let's continue. Like, just, just, <laughs> just see I'm how that sure works. People out. would be flipping out. You would be, not ca- just you would be, you would be, you would be carried out in cuffs. <laughs> you would yep. not make it very far. And, of course, and, he does come. He, of course, you know. Thankfully, I didn't. I didn't stop five minutes to the end of the movie, but he he ends up playing a very important role at the end of the movie. Oh yeah. <laughs> we then get a massive corporate celebration about the success of the network. About how Howard's show is number one, and Diana takes her bows and all the appraise and applause in the world, and it's it's just it's okay, sure. Later on, next year will be number one, and five years will be at the top five shows. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Later, Frank gets a phone call in the middle of the celebration, and he's pulled away, and he has to take the phone call, and it's his boss, by a gentleman by the name of Mister Jensen who's incredibly upset by what he's seeing on television. Howard went on TV, evidently, and he started talking about this big corporate merger between the networks and some Arab company and a bunch of financial backers from over there in the Middle East. And this Mr. Jensen is not very happy with what's happening right now. (laughs) The CCA deal. The CCA deal. He's telling people that the Arabs are taking over controlling interest of all the world and major corporations and this got to stop. He tells everybody to write the White House, drop telegrams. I want the White House to be knee deep in telegrams. <laughs> telegrams. <laughs> By midnight tonight. <laughs> but yeah, it's fantastic. Later on, Frank is sulking. He knows his career is over. He's waiting for the phone call from Mr. Jensen at any minute that he's going to have to be in his office first thing in the morning. And sure enough, that call comes in. But Mr. Jensen doesn't just want to see Frank. He wants to see Howard in his office as well. And oh boy, what a meeting this is. Just shake your heads at me. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Yep. (laughs) Howard takes a seat at the end of a very long table. Mr. Jensen stands up and closes the curtains and begins with, You have meddled with a primal force of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. Yeah, you can tell the truth about anything except for this company. You can, exactly. Exactly. Mr. Jensen, now, go- it was amazing the way that the way that Ned Beatty did this 
um, was fantastic. Was nuts because he comes in. He's like, "Oh, so good to see you. Yes. Welcome in here." And all, out of nowhere, he comes in like he's playing God, yeah. <laughs> and yells at him and manipulates Howard into thinking that he's the voice that he heard. Yes, yes, absolutely and it's nuts. Because I'm watching it, going, "Wait, is he actually the voice that he heard? Like, did he like sneak into his his house and?" Start yelling this stuff at him? Did he, like, sneak a recording somehow in the house and he heard these things and just went with it? No, no. He, Howard, clearly went on TV and said these things and spoke like this. Yes. So this dude, Jensen, is just running with it. Running with it. Using it and to his it's, advantage. It's ridiculously it's beautifully done. It's perfect. Oh, yeah. What did you say his name was? Ned Beatty? Yeah, Ned Beatty, the He's actor. He's fantastic. Oh, yeah. This entire scene that he's in right here is absolutely fantastic. Mm-hmm. Anyways, Mr. Jensen begins ranting and raving about the importance of ratings and the importance of the corporate world. There are no nations. There is no America. There is no de- democracy. There are no people. There are no individuals. Corporations are the only currency. It's an international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. My God. My God. You know what this reminded me of? I don't know if Chuck has seen it. I know Lee has seen it because we watched it together once. It reminds me of the bodily fluid speech out of Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. That's exactly mm-hmm. what this reminds me of. Chuck, have you ever seen Dr. Strangelove? No. Okay. There's a, there's a speech where a, a, a general is, has lost his mind completely. And it's during, it's during the Cold War. And he orchestrates an actual war that takes place on American soil. Like, nothing is happening. No foreign country is coming to invade. He just orchestrates this because he's afraid that, 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 that foreign Russians are going to come to America to take his bodily fluids. And he goes into this entire speech. His precious, his precious bodily fluids. His pres- he goes into this entire speech about, I will not allow them to come and mess with my precious bodily fluids. <laughs> That's what this really? reminds me of. That's that's what this entire speech reminds me of. Yeah, it's no, just absolutely. as insane. It's just as insane. Oh my god. Yeah, Jensen goes on talking about where he envisions a world where the people work to serve a common profit and all will hold a share of stock, all necessities provided, all <laughs> anxieties tranquilized, all boredoms amused. And Mr. Jensen has chosen Howard to preach this gospel. And when Howard asked Mr. Jensen, why me? He says, because you're on television, dummy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> totally playing it up. Totally playing them up. Yep. Totally playing Now you have up. 60 million people watching you. Exactly. You can go from 50 to 60 million 70. people watching you overnight. Right. Mm-hmm. On Howard's next show. So, I'm going I'm to say, hold on. So Otis, oh, sorry, not Otis, but sorry, Ned Beatty, who plays Jensen here, two years later, Two years after this, plays Otis in Superman. You're right. Yes. Oh my God, you're absolutely right. And so, and I remember seeing him, and I'm like, "Is that Otis?" And then, I mean, dude, the, the, he's known for that and Deliverance. He was one of the dudes in Deliverance. I've never seen Deliverance. I haven't seen it either, but I remember like it's it's basically. I mean, Deliverance was a big deal. I mean, you've got, um, oh geez, that 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 movie you had John Voight. Burt Reynolds, John Hoyt, you know, and, and Burt Reynolds, and, and Ned Beatty. 
I mean, you had Roddy Cox in there too, but like the, the, these three characters here, it's Burt Reynolds, John Voight, and, and Ned Beatty. Like those are the dudes. That's it. So it's it's funny to to go back and, and think about how this is this is all like he goes from that, from this, you know, and deliverance, and then he's Otis, the bumbling, you know, like henchman for Gene Hackman. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still laugh that they ever thought that Gene Hackman was was I mean, Gene Hackman was Gene Hackman. It was basically like this is his version of what Lex Luthor would be. And as much as I don't appreciate Superman Returns, I would I will I will say that, you know, no matter what we do, that was a that that Lex Luthor was closer to what you'd expect from Lex Luthor. Sure. I mean, would you agree? Because I mean, what's his face? Yeah. Why I I can't even get his name in my head right now. Spacey, Spacey is is nuts. That that like that guy's legitimately nuts. So he can play somebody who's legitimately nuts. That evening, Howard Beale went on the air to preach the corporate cosmology of Arthur Jensen. So, on Howard's next show, he starts off praising the people for all the telegrams that were sent to the White House. They were knee deep in telegrams, he says. But in the end, it was kind of pointless, because the truth is, the individual is done. We're all replaceable, and dehumanization may not be such a bad thing. And he continues on with this narrative, and of course, the ratings tank. It was a perfectly admissible argument that Howard Beale advanced in the days that followed. It was, however, also a very depressing one. Nobody particularly cared to hear his life was utterly valueless. By the end of the first week in June, the Howard Beale show had dropped one point in the ratings and its trend of shares dipped under 48 for the first time since last November. It is the end of Howard's show. But not really because, well, this Mr. Jensen character wants Howard kept on the air at all costs. He really doesn't care about anything else. Later on, Max and Diana end their relationship because she really doesn't know how to love and she's more attached to her work. Which he knew and called. Which we, yeah, yeah which we knew and called that. I kind of backed off of that storyline because it really isn't important to the movie that much at all. So I'm not saying that we knew. I'm saying that Howard, uh, sorry, Max, Max, Max knew. Max knew. And he, he knew he, the entire he time. It. But he just, yeah, he, he, he went it. along with it. And I'm just, I don't think there's anything all that deep there to follow. I just, I do think it's just a guy in the midlife crisis. And a girl taking advantage of it. And a girl taking advantage of it. Yeah, pretty much. So she got what she wanted. He got what he wanted for a little while. And now I guess... What he said before is about to come to fruition because I, I'm assuming that he's just going to go back to his wife. <laughs> he's going to try. He's going to try. Well, it's 1960, 1976, so I'm sure she'll... Okay. Like, it's, it, it is what it is. It's disheartening, but it is what it is. So, in the final meeting of the film, Frank, Diana, and other network suits discuss the declining ratings of the show and how it's eating into profits... So they hatch a plan to kill him live on air. And this is the part where I, right before all of this happened, I stopped. I was like, oh, because I tried watching it all before we met. And then you guys were like, no, no, you have to watch the last five minutes of this movie. Yeah. And I'm so glad I did. Yes, because absolutely. it was perfect. Highlight. <laughs> Highlight of this was watching oh. your facial expressions while you were watching the last five minutes of this film. While this team of network executives is going to excruciating detail about how they're going to kill Howard, 
live on TV and what that could mean for rating and could make be all kinds of boosts and everything. And you even have a guy. How they could make the most money. How they can make the most money. And you even have a guy in the room going, hey, Frank, I really hope you don't have a recording device in this office. And they all laugh about it. <laughs> it is yep. insane. And at the final show, Howard makes his entrance and he is immediately gunned down. And the camera gets real close at the body like laying right on the ground. Over his- he gets shot in the head, right, he gets shot yep, in the chest. Right over his body, he gets shot in the head, he gets shot in the chest. And then you do a zoom out of four different television screens. It starts off with all four of them covering what just happened. Then it slowly goes down to three, then two, then none, and it moves on. What I love about this part is in the beginning when he throws his first fit, it goes to that error in production. And it's like yeah. a, yes. And in this one... They have the Mikey Likes It commercial tied in with Canada Dry. Like, <laughs> you could tell that one wasn't planned and one was. Absolutely right. not. Nope. Absolutely that not. Was that kind of thing happens ridiculous. all the time. So I, I Let's get Mikey. He doesn't like anything. He doesn't. Yeah. I don't expect either one of you to understand this reference, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to talk about it anyways because it reminds me of something that I saw within the course of the past year. I've mentioned before on this podcast that I'm a pro wrestling fan, and, and sometime in the past year, there was a match that I watched. It was a hardcore match. It was bloody, and I loved it. There was actually an involvement in one of the segments with a pizza cutter and, and somebody's head, and they cut to, like, picture in picture so the commercial could play. And what commercial was playing? A Domino's commercial. It <laughs> was course, perfect. It was course. not planned. <laughs> it was not. Was it was it Domino's or Little Caesars? Regardless, it doesn't matter. It was a pizza commercial that was playing. Well, at the same time, in the bottom corner of the screen, it was just a guy holding up a bloody pizza cutter, and the crowd is going absolutely insane. And the pizza company threw up a massive stink about it. They pulled their ad. It was a big, big deal. That's what this reminds me of. It was crazy. And that this was the first thing that I thought about when I saw that segment on on the show a couple of couple of months back or whatever it was. I was like, wow. They really need to do a better job of placing these ads because you're absolutely right. Just dead body, bullet to the head, bullet to the, the chest or the gut or whatever, and Canada he Dry. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's fantastic. Mikey likes it. But anyways, yeah, that's that's the end of the movie. It ends with Howard's death. Exactly how he wanted yeah. it to happen. He wanted to die yep. on air and he got exactly what he wanted. Maybe not the way that he wanted it to happen, but, but he still got what he, he still got what he wanted. Yeah. yeah. It was yeah. it was it was fantastic. I'm gonna end by just saying that I love this movie. I'm I'm glad that we did it. <laughs> it's it's outside of our normal wheelhouse, which is part of, oh, yeah. which is a big reason why I suggested it. I want I, I wanna get away from the Marvel stuff. I really do. Yeah, we need we need something. We need something else. we need to do we need to do different things. And I figured, you know what? A drama that has a lot of commentary in it about the way the television works, the way the internet is today, the way that we are as a society, and the way that we operate. I thought that that would be pretty cool. And for the most part, it was a great discussion that I had with the two of you. Um, yeah. I'm done. I'm going to let the two of you close it out. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think I went on, a, I went on enough tangents about who was in what and, and everything else. But the reality is this movie... Um, I wouldn't say it surprised me. You know, I would say that you, you said you got to watch this go, movie. Before you get going, I just I, I hope you now have a better understanding. While after we did conspiracy theory, I suggested this in the other movie that we're going to be doing. Oh, yeah. OK. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I so I I went into it and I was like, OK, 
I mean, just because you told me years ago, you got to watch Network. You got to watch Network. I'm like, all right. And I knew it was a 70s movie and it was not a comedy. It was not an action. It was not something we normally talk about, not sci-fi. And I'm like, hmm, all right. I'm going to need to be in the right headspace to commit to this movie. And it just never happened in like the past 10 years. Right. So now we're like, let's talk about it for a podcast. I'm like, ah, fine. So that's why I, I got into it. And I'm like, all right. Now that I understand, it didn't surpass expectations. It's what I expected. And again, I know I was like touching upon it. It's like, it's like, God bless America. It's that type of motivation, you know, here where it's like people are sick and done with everything else. I'm still sticking with that, like that feeling of it. Right. Just the movie obviously was very differently styled and they went a different direction with his actions, but it's more about like exposing truth, being done with it, and like there being a few people saying, "Look, look, look! Why aren't you seeing this? Why aren't you seeing yeah, this?" But this movie had you know? nothing to do with wanting to expose the truth. Uh, no, no. But there was a character that we were introduced to as the main character in the beginning that wanted to expose the truth. No, he didn't want to expose the truth. He was crazy. He was well, psychotic. He wanted to kill himself. He well, just happened to he just happened to go psychotic and the network and him took advantage of it. Yeah, Nobody okay. throughout this movie actually wanted because when the truth actually came out about them, shut him up. Yeah. Um true. The the this nobody in this movie cared about promoting the truth. Everybody, including Beale. All they wanted was some cash. And, 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 and to, 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 to piggyback on what Chuck is saying right now, I don't think Howard told any of the people things that they didn't already know. No, but I think he just wanted them to actually speak up. Sure. Sure. So there's a level of exposing there. No. Like, this, th- did, what you're no, thinking is that's right. Not even, that's, not even, that's not even what he wanted either. He He was... I'm bored. I hate life. Life stinks. Life sucks. I'm done. I'm this. I'm that. Life is horrible. I'm fired. Yada, yada, yada. I'm <laughs> fired. I'm going to kill my... Yada. To, to, oh my gosh, we got ratings. Do that again. Why? Because we want better ratings. And then That's he valid. comes in and he's like, guess who died this morning? This rich, white, old man. And nobody really cares. You want, you want, yeah. you want something a little bit more modern day? Look at Fox News and CNN. They exploit on the regular, even if it's a nothing story, because they know the people want to watch a train wreck. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, valid point. It's the same same thing. And they're not... They're not telling anybody what they don't already know. They're just focusing on on one massive thing that like the majority of the masses can actually get behind and go, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't it doesn't last very long, and especially when you look at the end of this movie, like the way that the well, you get the like the zoom out of like a, a, a control room, quote unquote, and you have the monitors, and slowly but surely the main story kind of fades away to segue into the next part of whatever these people are going to be watching right yeah no all valid points but i mean thank you for because this i'll be honest the two movies so if anyone's listening we usually you know record two movies on a sunday night together um we do the podcast for both of them 
And, you know, when we said when you when Will suggested these two movies, this being one of them, I was hesitant at first. And I told my wife, I was like, so I have to watch these movies and I have no idea what I'm walking myself into. Um, <clears throat> both movies I am um, pleasantly pleased with. Um, I will say the next movie that we do, I am more pleased with. <laughs> um, but this one, you know, for what it was, it was a good movie. It had a good storyline. Yeah. The 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 acting wasn't bad for 1970. In fact, it was really good for 19. If it was compared to today's acting, it's behind the time. You obviously. can tell. You can tell. You can tell that Faye Dunaway was trying really, really hard. Like there were yeah. certain yes. parts in this movie where she was rushing through a lot of her lines, and you could tell that even uh, what's his name who played Howard, you know, even when he was passing out and he was going, ah, you could yeah. tell that he was overacting. You could as tell well that too. he was really overacting. The shining light um, in this movie for me is Robert Duvall. Yes, he is the shining star in this movie. So, and you know, but overall, you know, is it a movie that I would watch? You know, every few months? No, no. Um, no, not at all. But I would recommend it and say, hey, if you know you really you, you want to watch a decent movie, watch it. It's worth it's worth the, it's worth the two hours that you're actually watching the film. And I was I was I'm thankful that you actually suggested both of these movies because it, it actually, you know, you, you sit there and you think, oh, I like because I've sat there and said, you know, what, I like all genres of movies. So do I. I really do. So do I, I like drama. I like action. I like fantasy. I like sci-fi. I like I like a little you know, bit of everything. I like a little bit of everything. But I have to be in the right mood too. Yeah. I agree and with this. And when I'm doing podcasts with you guys, I have to kind of put that aside and say, you know what, even though I'm not in the mood to watch this movie, I have to watch this movie. Yeah. Um but this would be something if I was in the mood for a good drama, I would watch this movie. Well, I figured mm-hmm. I figured because when we did conspiracy theory, you were over the moon about that movie when we did. So I was, I was just thinking about what else along these lines could I suggest that he would get into that's kind of like this. And the, yeah. the two movies that I suggested, I think, fit that mold. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've we've had we've had these two movies on the uh, we'll say the back burner, for months. you know, docket for no years. You and I, years. Have we really? We have. I know we've had they. Well, I know we've had they live on there for a long time. Well, like I, I said, you mentioned that you, you mentioned network to me like within the past ten years, and we're, okay. and so when I I figured that was going to come up. Oh, that was I, oh, you, like you mean had you mean a, to watch watch? I thought you meant like for podcast purposes. Well, yeah, no, I'm I'm talking about that as we well. We did not. We were not doing this ten years ago. <laughs> well, no, I'm saying you brought it up ten okay, years ago. Okay, so when we started right, doing the podcast, right. I'm like, I know we're going to eventually get to to network. And to be honest, I was I was hoping we never did because I'm like, ah, oh, seventy six slow burn, <laughs> two hours long. Let's just it's, like it's, hope that a lot listen, of Marvel and Star Wars stuff comes listen. out. <laughs> you know what's crazy though is you said it. You actually skipped over a bunch of this movie. I did. Oh, tons to go tons. into it. But you know what? I, I'll be honest. I probably missed because I fast forwarded it. I have to go back and watch it like in full. I probably missed fifteen twenty minutes of the movie as I was fast forwarding through it. I didn't miss. All the stuff I missed, though, we didn't talk about. No, we we. It, I, didn't, not... I didn't miss anything. I understood the point of the yes. movie. I understood the concept of the movie. I understood what was going on in the movie. Um, you didn't miss a lot. So, you know, 
So usually, that right there, usually when I usually when I do the note taken for our podcast, I usually have between three and four pages of notes. This movie was three pages. It wasn't like I I, I changed anything or skimped out. There was just there's a there's a lot of throwaway dialogue that happens in this movie, like with a lot of seventies movies. There's a lot yeah. of conversations that happen within a lot of those movies that aren't really prudent to the story at hand, and I kind of trim all that out, get rid of all the fat, and let's just stick with the main story. So that's kind yeah, of... Yeah, it's all filler. Yeah, it's a lot of filler. If you're talking Star Wars, you have Star Wars, Star Wars, Star Wars, Boba Fett, Star Wars, Star Wars, and Boba Fett's just that filler that no one talks about. <laughs> and on that note, <laughs> I think that's going to wrap it up for this, for this one. We done? Yes. All right. We're, yes, done. Yeah, thank you. we're done. Thank you for the suggestions. I loved it. You are very welcome. Yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed them. That 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 makes me happy that you enjoyed them. It makes me happy that I could suggest something that you would enjoy. I'm happy for you. Well, I'll say this. You know, you have people that are like, "Oh yeah, I love movies," and you're like, "Well, do you love movies or do you just love specific genres?" There's a scale. Specific- There's a scale when people say things like that. Usually, when people right. say I love movies, they're talking about one genre, and they yeah. do not go outside of that. So, right. Yeah. You know, oh, we yeah. have a we have a friend who loves movies and she loves all the older movies <laughs> more so than the newer movies, but she's like all about like retro Any, and stuff anything, like that, which is a, anything which I appreciate. come out in the 70s, 80s, 80s or very early 90s. That's like, that's that's it. Like no matter what it is, it could be great, it could be bad, it could be horror, it could be this, it be I mean, she does so she horror, does appreciate some of the newer stuff. Um if it ties back to right <laughs> to the older I, stuff. I love it. But for me, I love movies. I will... I used to love horror. I don't watch it anymore. Um, I'm just not a fan of it anymore. But outside of that, I I love all styles. And I had to sit there and put, you know, you know what? If I really do love all styles, will I choose to sit and watch this movie? In this case, yes. I'm, just, I'm glad I did because it was actually a very... It was a very well put together movie. That makes I'm me appreciative happy. of it. So, that makes me yeah. happy. You're very welcome, sir. Absolutely. All right. Yep. We're gonna get out of here. We're done. All right. Have a good night, guys. Have a good one, everybody. S- see you later.